Turn in your Bible, please, to Psalm 98. The 98th Psalm. We do not always think of this as a Christmas psalm, but it was the inspiration for one of the greatest hymns that we sing at Christmas time. May we bow together in prayer. Our Father, we thank Thee for the privilege of being in the house of the Lord. We're grateful for all the great music and the fellowship and the children who sang while ago about the manger and for the people who have come because they love the Lord and have come aside on this Sunday to honor our Lord Jesus and to sing His praises. We pray that somebody here who has never been saved will come to trust Christ. May the Holy Spirit do His work. In Jesus' name, amen. There are nine verses in this psalm, Psalm 98. Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song, for He hath done marvelous things. His right hand and His holy arm have gotten Him the victory. The Lord hath made known His salvation, His righteousness hath he openly shown in the sight of all the nations. He hath remembered his mercy and his truth toward the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all the earth. Make a loud noise and rejoice and sing praise. Sing unto the Lord with a harp, with a harp and the voice of a psalm, with trumpets, and sound of cornet, make a joyful noise before the Lord the King. Let the sea roar, and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Let the floods clap their hands. Let the hills be joyful together before the Lord, for He cometh to judge the earth. With righteousness shall He judge the world, and the peoples with equity. Isaac Watts, who lived from 1674 to 1748, wrote the great hymn, Joy to the World, the Lord is Come. In 1790, when he was 1719, when he was 45 years old, he was living at the Abney Estate near London. He had gone there for a rest. And while he was studying Psalm 98, he became overwhelmed with what God had done in Christ. And he wrote the words of this great hymn, Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room, and heaven and nature sing. George Frederick Handel, who lived from 1685 to 1759, when he was 56 years old, determined that he had not done much to honor the Lord. Even though he'd become a Christian and he was, as a young child, his father wanted him to be a lawyer. But God had put music in his soul. He was an organist in his church when he was a teenager. But then he went into theater and he wrote opera and he wrote 
tremendous scores of music and became one of the most popular of all the artists. But when George Frederick Handel was about 56 years old in 1741, he had an encounter with the Lord. And he promised God he would give the next years of his life to honor Christ. That proved to be 18 years. You might say as a token of the fellowship between George Handel and the Lord Christ, Mr. Handel had an encounter with God that lasted 21 days. And in those 21 days, he hardly ate, he hardly slept, and he wrote the full scores for the great Messiah. Sometime after Handel, matter of fact, 95 years after Handel, and 117 years after Isaac Watts, Lowell Mason, who was a choir director in Boston, very, very moved by Handel's music, got hold of the poem that Isaac Watts had written, Joy to the World. And he arranged a portion of the Messiah and set the words of joy to the world to that portion of music. And that's what we sing today. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ while fields and floods and rocks, hills and plains repeat the sounding joy. No more let sin and sorrow grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessing flow, far as the curse is found. He rules the world with truth and grace, and makes the nature, the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and the wonders of his love. And for 192 years, 152 years, we have been singing this great hymn, Joy to the World. Now here is why Isaac Watts wrote that great hymn. You remember I said a few moments ago he was studying the 98th Psalm. We have just read it. And as you read that, you wonder, well, how did he get such poetry, such melody from that psalm? Certainly it says, sing a new song, he hath done marvelous things, and so on. As I've studied that passage of Scripture, and studied it in light of Isaac Watts' poem, and the song we sing today, I think I've found four main truths that can be a blessing to our hearts as we think again of the Christmas story and of the fact that God tabernacled in human flesh beginning in Nazareth and when Mary brought forth her firstborn son in Bethlehem. There was a serious battlefield on the borders of Germany and France during World War I. And the Germans and the French 
were lined up against one another. The battle was raging furiously. They came to a little farmhouse and all the guns were, were uh, being shot. The ammunition was rolling. People were dying. People were being wounded. When all of a sudden, there was a complete lull in all the fighting. Everything stopped. The guns stopped. And someone whispered, what's happened up there on the front? And a reporter went up to the front of the line and looked out by that farmhouse and saw a little baby crawling out in the grass, completely oblivious of all the battle that was going on. And that little baby stopped that battlefield that day. Now that's what Jesus came to do, to stop the battles in our heart, to stop the enmity and the sin that so easily besets us, and to make us new creatures in Christ. The first thing we see in Psalm 98, as we think of this great hymn, Joy to the World, is the preparation. Joy to the world, let every heart prepare him room. Listen to this, verse 1. O sing unto the Lord a new song, for he hath done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have gotten him the victory. First of all, if we're going to prepare room in our hearts for Christ, we have to recognize that he hath, he hath done marvelous things. First of all, he made the world. John 1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Without him was not anything made that was made. God made the world, but Jesus was there with God and in God. And it is just as correct to say that Jesus made the world. We usually say in the beginning God created the world. He created the heavens and the earth, and that certainly is accurate. But the word for God is Elohim, and that word is plural. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all there at the very beginning of creation. Jesus there. He fulfilled prophecy. Scripture says, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, shall call his name Emmanuel. The angel said to Joseph, Fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, that holy thing which is conceived in hers of the Holy Ghost, she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Emmanuel, God with us, in Matthew chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And all this was fulfilled when Jesus came and became the counselor like no other counselor. The wonderful, and the word wonderful in the original language means is usually translated in our English secret. There is a secret about Jesus that will not be totally unveiled until we arrive at the throne of God. 
That's the reason there's a lot of controversy today about who Jesus is. Some, even religious groups, deny that Jesus is God. But there is a mystery even about his name. His name shall be called Wonderful, and the accurate translation of that word is secret. But the angel came along and revealed it all to Matthew, or to, to Joseph, when he said, Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. And he is the one spoken of all through the Old Testament. He is the Messiah. When John was preaching by the Jordan River, two men were down there hearing him, and John just interrupted his preaching one day. He said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world, pointing to Jesus. One of the men that stood by John was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And the scripture record says in John chapter 1 that Andrew left the Lord for a little while and went over and found Peter and said, had said Simon, hey brother, you won't believe this, but we have found the Messiah, the Christ, and it's Jesus. So everything that the Old Testament said about the Messiah was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. He hath done marvelous things. And if we're to prepare room in our hearts for Him, we need to recognize that He superimposed Himself upon history. God chose the way He was going to enter history. He could have entered it in a great big chariot. God took Elijah to heaven in a chariot of fire. It would have been no problem for God to send Jesus down in a chariot of fire and say, hey world, here's my son. God didn't do that. He could have sent him in a spaceship. We've heard about all these UFOs and so on. But God said that would scare the world to death. I don't want them to be scared. I, don't, I want them to know I love them. And so God determined that the vehicle through which he would come to earth would be a little baby. And when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons whereby we cry, Abba, Father. We can get on intimate terms with our Father in heaven. We can say, Daddy, <coughs> Papa, Daddy, Abba. And the reason we can do that is because of Jesus. That's the only reason. Now, because of all of this, we need to make room in our hearts for him. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let every heart prepare him room. You are not a Christian just because you sing joy to the world. You are not a child of God just because you were born in a religious atmosphere or you go to church. I want everybody to listen real closely. Put your notes and papers aside, and adult leaders help these kids put those aside. When I started going to God's house, my mother wouldn't let me write notes or draw things in church. I want you to listen, kids. You're not too young to listen to me. Listen. God bless you. I love you. But you listen. If you're going to be a Christian, you have to prepare room in your heart for him. There has to be room there. A person is not a Christian because he goes to church or because he sings religious songs. 
a professor at a famous university gave his students a name recognition test at Christmas time. In the class of 40 people, he gave them the word Christmas. He said, now write down what comes to your mind when you think of Christmas. Here's what they said. Toys, family, turkey, dressing, holiday, Christmas carols. Not one of them mentioned the birth of Jesus. Have we any room in our world for Jesus? Have we any room in our hearts for Jesus? We go to church and we sing the songs and one of the big problems with growing up in Christian surroundings is that this wonderful, the most glorious story that ever has been told becomes commonplace to us. And we say, oh, Christmas again. I'll be glad when it's all over. How many, how many of you have heard people say that? during this month of December. And the reason is because of what we're thinking about. And when we think of Jesus, the Prince of Heaven, the Prince of Peace, the King of Love, coming wrapped in swaddling clothes and delivered to the world to say, hey world, God loves you. We have to make room in our hearts for Him. And room in our schedules Next Sunday's Christmas. You say, preacher, you're going to meddling now. It's going to be interesting to me to see who goes home to be with their family and skip church on Sunday. I know that several people have to be out of town, but where you're going to be, they have church. Unless there's some liberal church that dismisses services on the Lord's Day because it's the day we have fun and family and turkey and games and Christmas tree. It'll be interesting to me to see how many get up on Sunday morning, the Lord's Day morning, and say, this is the day when we represent and remember that Jesus was born. I'm going to God's house and thank Him. And then I'll observe that on Monday, that holiday and the fun day and all the other things. That's the reason, incidentally, we have a holiday on the 26th. I think the, the government didn't know they were doing that, but I think it was built into our calendar by God so that God would let his people go to his house on Sunday and then have a special extra day on Monday to do all the other things we usually do at Christmas. Thank you. I know you didn't ask for that, but God bless you anyway. Number two, in Psalm 98, I want you to look at verse 4 and 5. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord all the earth. Make a loud noise and rejoice and sing praise. Sing unto the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the voice of a psalm. And Isaac Watts said, Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ, while fields and floods, rocks, hills and plains repeat the sounding joy. In other words, there should be praise. And the reason Isaac Watts got so caught up in the 98th Psalm and produced that wonderful hymn that we've been singing for 152 years is because the psalm is filled with praise over the coming of the king. 
the night he was born, very interesting thing that occurred. Why did not the angel go up to Herod and say, hey, Herod, there's another king been born. He's down here in Bethlehem. Herod didn't know anything about it. I wonder why he didn't go to the mayor of Bethlehem and say, Mayor, you'd ought to bring some gifts over here to this stable. A king's been born. The mayor didn't know anything about it. Most of the people didn't know anything about it, but some angels appeared to some lowly shepherds. The glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angels said unto them, Fear not, don't be afraid, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. There was glory to God. There was praise. Last Sunday night, our choir presented praise to the Lord, an offering of praise. And I think you had to have an insensitive and dead heart to sit in those services Sunday and Monday and Wednesday night and not praise the Lord as they led us in praising Him. And then on Tuesday night, you couldn't have helped weeping and laughing and getting all excited as that drama presented, then Jesus came. And the unforgettable characters that stabbled across this stage and reminded us of how sick in the heart and mind many people are when it comes to Jesus and the things of God. We've been lifted to the third and fourth heaven during this week. And it is right. Make a joyful noise, the Bible says. Use the instruments of praise, the harp, the trumpet, the cornet. I would like to have an instrumental ensemble in our church, an orchestra. Let the nations of the earth praise the Lord. Sing praises. When we come into His presence, it is not the will of God that some sing and some sit over as if they were baptized in lemon juice. I've looked around the congregation sometimes and as we sing, I see some people... They just sang too much here. And then I looked across this morning and I saw some people that were just singing up a storm. That's the way we ought to do. Praising the King, the Lord. And that's what that song is all about. Let men employ their songs. Thirdly, I want you to notice in verses 2 and 3 the position we have in Christ. The Lord hath made known His salvation. His righteousness hath He openly shown in the sight of all the nations. He hath remembered His mercy and His truth toward the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. No more let sin and sorrow grow. He comes to make His blessings flow. He hath made known His salvation. He hath openly shown His righteousness. He has remembered us in His mercy. And when we put our trust and faith in Him, we are in Christ. 
in Romans chapter 6, the scripture reminds us that we're to not let sin dwell in our mortal body. Not let it reign in our mortal body. You know, you don't have to sin. Now, I know as long as we live in this clay body, we will have temptations, we will have lust, we will have appetites, and we'll give ourselves sometimes in weakness to those things. But we don't have to. This book promises sin shall not have dominion over you. And that's the message of Christmas. And that's what Isaac Watts caught in that wonderful song, Joy to the World. You do not have to go on in weakness. No more let sin and sorrow grow in your life. Christ will give you victory. The person who has trouble with alcohol, God can lift you out of that alcohol. The person who has trouble with profanity, God can lift you out of that. The, the one who has trouble with drugs, if you really want to repent in your heart, ask God to give you repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus, and God can lift you out of your drugs. I have good news for you. In Christ, there is victory. Some have gotten all hooked on pornography. And you can just flip your television on some of those soap boxes and some of those soap operas and some of those stories that come on late in the night. Or you can go to the video rental places and rent something and take it home and have all your lust fed. And I'm convinced that there are many people who call themselves Christians who do this because you're hooked on it. But I have good news for you. No more let sin and sorrow grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He came to make his blessings flow, and his blessings will flow into your life if you will receive them. Joy to the world. Joy to the world. You want victory in your life? It's yours for the asking. It's yours for the believing. If you just reach up and say, Lord, I need you, I want you, I invite you into my life. Last of all, look in the eighth verse. Let the floods clap their hands, let the hills be joyful together before the Lord. For he cometh to judge the earth, with righteousness shall he judge the world, and the people with equity. Almost always when we sing joy to the world, we sing the last stanza too. And we ought to. It says, He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the blessings and so on. He rules the world. Our king is in charge of this universe. And listen, if you've trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're somebody. You have the Lord God dwelling in you. You do not have to go on as a pauper. You're a child of the King. You have Christ, the Son of the living God, dwelling in your heart. And one day He's going to rule the earth. And He says, you'll rule with Him if you're His child. Jack Hiles in First Baptist Church in Hammond is a wonderful preacher. 
a great example and a funny man, strange person, unusual. <laughs> he said one time they needed money in their church. They went to the bank to borrow it. And the banker said, well, I'm sorry, sir, we can't allow you to have that much money. And Jack Howe said, well, why can't you? He said, well, those are bank rules. We just can't do it. He pounded his fist on the bank, banker's desk. He said, when Jesus comes, we're going to take over Gary and Chicago, and I'm going to rule, and I'll see to it that you're paid back for not letting us have that loan. And the man looked at him and said, What's, are you crazy? What are you talking about? And Jack Howes began to witness to him and tell him about Jesus, and before he left, he had the money. You and I are going to reign with Christ. We're somebody in Christ. And that's the reason we ought to sing joy to the earth. He rules the world. And we're joint heirs with him in that rulership because Christ in you is the hope of glory. Now I want to ask you, do you have him in your heart? Do you have Jesus in your heart? Or is it just a song, just a shibboleth? Or do you know that Christ has come to dwell inside of you. That little baby born in a manger was born to die on a cross. And he who knew no sin became sin for us. And when he died, all of my sins and all of your sins were on him. Our impurities, our alcoholism, our drunkenness, our rapings, our thievery, our pornography, all of our sins were on him. Our jealousy, our enmity, and all of those things, they were put on him. And when he died, he paid the wages for your sin. And pardon is yours for the asking. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Except you repent, ye shall all likewise perish. To repent means to come with a willingness in your heart to turn away from sin and turn to Christ and receive him. Get him inside of you. And when Christ is in you, he is the hope of glory. To become a Christian does not mean that Jesus is out there and you say, I think I'll start following him. You can follow him for a while and then quit. You were never a Christian to begin with. You just acted like it. But when you come as a penitent sinner and you say, God, I need you. I'm lost. I'm on my way to hell. And I invite Christ to come and live inside of me and cleanse me and forgive me. And I'm willing to empty myself of myself and of my sins. I'm willing to turn away from sin and turn to you. That very moment, Christ forgives you. And he comes in and makes somebody new out of you. And all the rest of the years of your life here and all through eternity, you're God's property. Now, has that happened to you? If it has not, I want to ask you right now to invite Christ into your heart. Let's close our eyes and bow our heads, everybody here, with eyes closed and heads bowed. Where you sit, would you just say, Lord, I need thee. I don't want to go on one more moment without God. I know that Christ came to pay the wages for my sins. And I invite him into my heart today. I'm sorry for all my sins. I ask you to save me now. 
Friend, if you pray that, Jesus has heard you. And then I want to ask you to pray that God will give you the strength to get up and come and confess Him openly. Our Father, thank you for this great hour. We pray that somebody who came to this place or who's tuned in by radio without Jesus will just now reach out and say, Lord, I need you. I ask you to come into my heart and be my Savior and my Lord. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. May we stand, please. Number 249. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. O Lamb of God, I come to thee. This is God's invitation, 249. Let me encourage you to come to Jesus just as you are this morning. Will you do it? God will bless you. God will help you. You may feel like your feet are nailed to the floor and you just can't lift one up and come. But I want to tell you, God comes right to your rescue when you ask Him to. And you ask Him, invite Him to come in. And He'll come in and be your Savior and your Lord. Would you do it right now? While we sing, while Christians pray, will you step out for Christ?